Welcome to Season 2 of There Are Good Things Here, the podcast where you listen in as Katie Hubbard talks to God about life in the year that it got upended by her first cancer diagnosis. I hope you'll find grace in her honest, hard, and hopeful words. I'm your host, Norman Hubbard, and I just want you to hold on to Jesus like Katie did. It won't be easy or perfect, but it will be worth it. Well, thanks for tuning back in to There Are Good Things Here. These last couple of episodes have not been short, and this one won't be either. Uh, It will also be somewhat unique. Katie's uh, journal entries fall silent from the end of March, really March 23rd, when she went in for surgery to have a mastectomy until mid-April. So what I'm going to do is read you from my and her Uh, blog entries on her CaringBridge site, which is the one place that you get a window into what was going on in her life and our life. And I will say uh, one of these entries represents probably one of uh, the most moving moments of my life. From March 23rd, 2009, this was the day of Katie's surgery, her mastectomy. Uh, I wrote, for those of you who have been following and praying for Katie through this day, I wanted to send out a long update about her surgery. Katie checked into the pre-op staging area at Carl Foundation Hospital at 6.15. The next hour was a hard one, not because of painful procedures, but because I had to remain in a waiting room while Katie went back to be weighed, measured, pricked, poked, and handed papers to sign without me. Neither of us was expecting this, and it took a lot out of us at a time when we had very little to give. When I finally rejoined Katie, it was clear the heaviness of the day was weighing on her. We were thankful for the next several hours of relative quiet before her surgery. It gave us a chance to talk about the day, the Lord's purposes for us in all this, and the hope that we have and must have in Him. We talked, held hands, read many of your guestbook entries from this site, laughed, and prayed. Somewhere along the way, a nurse from radiology came in to inject Katie with the radioactive dye that would cause her sentinel lymph nodes to light up so they could be removed. This was the only significant intrusion into an otherwise uninterrupted morning together. When the time came for Katie to go back to the operating room, the nurse gave her a bit of medicine to help her relax. Our friend and a surgery tech tech at Carl, Noel, was with Katie all the way from pre-op until she went under anesthesia. When Katie was wheeled out of the room, she was very composed. Until she was out of view, I was too. That was about 11.55 a.m. I went to lunch in the cafeteria downstairs and then returned to the surgical waiting room. Though the facilities were nice and the staff who gave periodic updates very helpful, It proved to be a very long day. Our life seems to be filled with waiting lately. Finally, at about 3.25 p.m., an hour longer than the surgery was supposed to take, I was notified that Dr. Faith, Katie's surgeon, was on his way up to talk to me. His first words were good one. Katie did just fine in the surgery. That's what you want to hear after a long day of waiting. 
Even so, I could tell Dr. Faith's look and tone were not without a hint of soberness. He began with the most difficult part of his report. None of the lymph nodes had received the radioactive dye that had been injected earlier, and so it was impossible to determine which were the sentinel nodes. At this point, Dr. Faith only had one good option, remove all the lymph nodes and send them all off for testing. This is hardly good news, but the only other option was to leave all the nodes intact and hope that none were cancerous. That is a much worse worse option that would give rise to unsupportable uncertainty in the days to come. In the short term, removing all Katie's lymph nodes means that we won't have the pathology report on them for four to five days. We had hoped so greatly we would know whether they were cancerous or not today. In light of eternity, I'm sure these four days will seem but a moment. In the shadows of this moment, they seem like another eternity. We've waited so long, and every test has turned up more tests or worse news than we had hoped for. It's frankly hard to wait again. Would you pray with us and for us during this time that our faith would not fail? In the long term, removing Katie's lymph nodes makes her more susceptible to lymphedema, a buildup of lymphatic fluids in the soft tissue of her arm. While not curable, lymphedema may be prevented or managed through a variety of non-invasive methods. That will be another learning curve in the weeks ahead. The rest of Katie's surgery this afternoon involved two other procedures that went well. She had a port installed above her left breast from where her chemotherapy medicines will be injected. The port makes it easy for nurses to draw blood and inject chemotherapy drugs directly into one of the main veins in her chest. This reduces the number of needle sticks and the potential for vein or tissue damage where the drugs uh, Uh, were the drugs administered through a traditional IV. Implanting the port today was a planned procedure, by the way. Though I failed to mention it in yesterday's journal update, Katie and I both knew about it, so she wasn't surprised at another small incision in her chest when she woke up. Finally, Katie's mastectomy went well. The doctor could not see any visible evidence of cancer in the tissue he removed. This doesn't mean there's no cancer there, just that it's probably contained to a small area, not diffused throughout her breast and to the margins of her tissue. In other words, this is good news. When the doctor took the tissue from her breast, he also took a portion of her pectoralis muscle, the one that lies just under her breast tissue, so it could be tested for cancer too. He said that it held no evident signs of cancer, but was connected to the breast tissue in such a way that he wanted to take all precautions to have it examined. Dr. Faith is very cautious and thorough from all that we've heard and experienced, and we're not complaining. We're not complaining, but we are very tired. This was the day we hoped would put a period at the end of a very long chapter, a time to turn the page and start another chapter on staging the cancer and getting on with chemotherapy. Instead, it feels like another comma in a run-on sentence, like there's more news to come before we can let down or break down. By God's grace, we will stand strong as we wait, 
You will help us greatly by your prayers. Lord willing, we'll see the doctor tomorrow, Tuesday, March 23rd, before 9 a.m., and return home sometime around 11. Pray that Katie will rest until and after then. Thanks. From the next day, March 24th, 2009. What a great day to be home. As you no doubt picked up from the description of yesterday's proceedings at the hospital, it was a long day. Katie made her move out of surgical recovery and into her overnight observation room around 6.45 p.m. Here's a tip for all of you who are thinking about overnighting in a hospital. Don't move in at 6.45 p.m. The shift changes at 7 p.m. That means you've got one nurse helping you settle in and learning all about your case for about 15 minutes until the next nurse shows up and does the same thing. God did give us one major blessing at 6.45 last night, though. Katie did not have to share a room with another patient. God must have known that 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 small trial would have been more than we could bear, and he's not inclined to crush our spirits even when he's trying our faith. After Katie got situated in her room, we found ourselves with time alone to talk. It was very hard for her to wake up to the reality of a mastectomy and news that all her lymph nodes had been taken because the sentinel nodes had not received the radioactive dye. Neither of us had been mentally prepared for this. We were prepared for good or bad news. We just didn't know that there was a third option called even worse news that you didn't know could happen. To put it in perspective, our surgeon said that Katie is only the third person he's ever seen this happen to in the five years that he's performed sentinel node biopsies. Our friend, Dr. Mike Erickson in Wisconsin, said it only happens in about 3% of patients. Both of us spent time crying and talking through the pain of this latest news. Some of that came through in my journal entry last night, but the crying and the conversation came to an end when through tears Katie said, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. From Romans 8.28 This is not an accident or a mistake, she said. God's purposes for me are good. I will never turn away from that. She was not simply reciting scripture or announcing a new resolution. She was turning her back on the chaos of difficult emotions and staking her soul's peace on the truth of Scripture. I have never seen anything quite like it. And I'll pause here and say, uh, as I look back over the course of my 50 years, this is probably one of the holiest moments that I've ever lived through. Um, I will add something that I didn't write in the journal entry that uh, when our son Tom was three years old, he was diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, and we went through a very difficult time during those years. Uh, Katie would say, really questioning whether God was good. There were very dark times for her, and uh, on this night after her surgery, when we got more unexpectedly bad news and the demand that we wait even longer for any uh, conclusion to this chapter— she said to me, uh, I, I questioned the goodness of God when Tom was diagnosed. 
and I will never walk down that path again. Um, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Um, and I will say, I believe in that moment, uh, Katie closed the door on turning away from God and really did stake everything that she had on that promise that God would be good no matter how bad things got. In the rest of the blog entry, I wrote, after about 10 p.m., Katie was settled enough to sleep soundly. We both agreed that I should return home to catch some sleep before returning to the hospital around 6 a.m. this morning. Katie did sleep well, only awakening twice when nurses came to check her vital signs. By the time I arrived, Katie had the breakfast menu on her lap. After 24 hours with little food, she was hungry. She was leaning towards bacon, raisin bran, and marble rye toast. I tried to coax her into ordering an omelet, but she stood her ground. Still groggy from the anesthesia, sleeping pills, and pain medication, Katie drifted in and out of sleep until our surgeon, Dr. Faith, came by around 9.30. He looked over Katie's incisions, gave instructions about what to do at home, and fielded a number of our questions. Our friend Mike had already answered almost all of our questions on the phone before Dr. Faith arrived. The help and perspective Mike has provided would be hard for me to overstate. The only request that we made of Dr. Faith was that he try to hurry up the pathologist report, a request that he flatly declined to take up. Oh well, you win some, you lose some. We won a very careful surgeon whose decision-making and execution in the operating room are excellent. We lost a little bit with the bedside manner. Katie was discharged around 11.30 from the hospital. Though the winds were gusting up to 50 miles an hour in central Illinois, it was a very warm day on which to return home, over 70 degrees. My mom was walking Joseph around the block, so Katie was able to get inside and into bed without his seeing mommy. So far, Katie has kept to our bedroom, and Joseph, Joseph hasn't seen her. He does hear her voice periodically, and he sometimes attends to it, but all in all, Joseph is the walking, talking, stumbling, grunting version of the idiom, out of sight, out of mind. Katie has been so happy to recuperate at home. Not only does she have the comfort of her own bed and bathroom, but she's able to eat the food that she wants on her timetable. She could probably lodge complaints with the management about her nurse, me, but until she's back on her feet, I am the management, and I only accept positive comments. Katie has talked with our three oldest kids in Wisconsin and with her parents a couple of times today. She's also been up and around our bedroom for shorter periods of time. I can already tell she's gained a lot of flexibility without pain in her left arm. She's more tentative about moving her right arm because the drainage tubes under them are sensitive. Even so, she's been doing some moderate tasks like picking up books, etc. without pain. I'm pleased with Katie's progress. I know she's pleased to be home, and I know you would be pleased if I would draw this absurdly long journal entry to an end, and so I will with this request. Please pray that Katie's incisions would heal well, 
that her drainage would run its course quickly so she could have the tubes removed from her side and that the pathologist's report would come in before the weekend. I would normally end this podcast after such a long entry, but I'm going to end with good news and Katie's voice from March 27, 2009, her blog entry on Caring Bridge. How about three cheers for good news with about five exclamation points? I got my pathology report today and all 20 of my lymph nodes were cancer-free and all of my margins were clean from my mastectomy, which means they got it all. There's no trace of cancer around the edges of the tissue they took. I am so thankful. What does this mean? Who knows? Ha! But I do have an appointment with my oncologist on Wednesday, April 1st, and we will discuss what my treatment will be based on this final pathology report. I was anxious last night, wondering what we would hear and if we would even hear anything today. It was a Friday, by the way. I kept thinking of Isaiah 40, 31, and how there is a tie between waiting on the Lord and renewing our strength. We have been waiting, 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 and somehow the Lord has enabled me to be strong. I can't believe how strong, because I am such a wimp naturally. It is so supernatural. The last few days have really been okay. Anticipating surgery on Monday morning was the hardest part dreading everything I would be going through, wondering how I would feel when I woke up, what they would find. I am so thankful that the surgery is over and I'm on the other side of it. I have looked in the mirror and I have looked in the mirror and faced one of my worst fears, and it is okay by God's grace. He is so real and true. Norman has been so amazing through all of this. I'm so thankful for such a strong man. I went to bed last night thinking of how I have everything that really matters. Norman, Tom, Kayla, Rachel, Joseph, my parents, Norman's parents, our siblings, their spouses, our good friends. Those are the real things that are irreplaceable. All great inspiration comes in the shower, and today was no exception. I realize that my cancer is like a triathlon. Not that I would really know, because you all know there is no way I would actually do a real triathlon. The diagnosis and waiting time have been my training. The surgery is my first leg of the triathlon, and chemo and reconstruction will be my next two legs. It was a helpful analogy for me. I hesitate to mention anyone in particular on this blog because you have all been so wonderful, but it's been amazing to watch God speak to me through all of you. A small example is this morning, Marilyn printed the words on my guest book to Jesus Draw Me Ever Nearer, which has been my hymn through this whole trying time, even though Marilyn had no idea of that. The words to that song run through my head all day long. Many of you have shared that song with me. And then Beth posted Isaiah 45, which is one of the main scriptures the Lord gave us for the ministry here in Illinois. I mention those two because I haven't seen Beth or Marilyn in a long time, and neither would know that those were important to me. 
Many of you have posted Zephaniah 3.17, which is the verse the Lord gave me when I first had my mammogram and a nurse came back and told me that something was wrong. The Lord your God is in your midst, it says. The Mighty One will save. These last days, as I've been flat on my back from surgery, I've just felt carried along by everyone, friends coming and cleaning, bringing meals, helping with practical needs, babysitting, groceries, financial, you name it. I've never felt so helpless, yet have just had the sense of being buoyed up by all of you. The things that God has been laying on people's hearts are exactly the things that we have needed. Physically, I'm doing pretty well from surgery. I have a lot of numbness under my arm, and my pain meds are my good buddies right now. I can't complain about the management, that would be me, and would have no need to anyway. I saw Joseph finally yesterday, and he remembered who I was, and I'm very ready to see Tom, Kayla, and Rachel, hopefully tomorrow. I'm very glad that we got the news today uh, and did not have to wait through the weekend until Monday. Love you all. Thank you for caring, Katie. And thank you for joining me for this episode of There Are Good Things Here. We'll carry on with a couple more Caring Bridge entries in our next episode in two weeks. Mm-hmm.